What are the questions that you need to ask to find out if a company you want to work for really cares about diversity? Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. I really love it when I'm able to get messages, email or text from colleagues or clients that find something really interesting, uh, either in the news or something that happened, uh, you know, in their community or something like that, and uh, or something that they read online and and think of me and say, uh, hey, I read this and thought you might be interested in this. Uh, Or, you know, read this, would love to know uh, what your thoughts are. And uh, just recently, I had uh, a colleague, a client, uh, connect with me and send me an article that they had just read uh, and thought I might be interested in it. And this is an article from the Harvard Business Review, which is something that I read as well. And it's an article from uh, December of 2021. And the, uh, the title of this particular article is, Is the company you're interviewing with actually inclusive? So this is really interesting, right? I think as people are not only returning to work, but also trying to find where their next place of employment is, um, that this is something that is mattering to people now, where maybe it wasn't on the radar before, particularly for people that are part of the majority culture. You know, for those of us in minority culture, um, this is something that has been on our radar forever. This never goes away. But I have found... Um, And it's pretty obvious that now, you know, as skilled workers, particularly in uh, younger generations, uh, but also older generation people that, you know, this is they're starting to care about these issues more uh, about inclusivity and diversity. uh, This is a question that they have. And for those of you that are hiring managers or CEOs or owners, Uh, You have to know that going forward, there is a very good chance that, uh, and some of you are are experiencing this now, I know I have some clients that are experiencing this now, that uh, your best skilled workers, uh, those uh, best candidates, whatever you call them, uh, people that will come to work for you, that is going to be a question for them is... You know, what are your efforts as a company or an organization or even a church community? What are you committed to? What are your efforts towards uh, the culture feeling inclusive when it comes to culture, 
you know, culture as it relates to ethnicity, culture as it relates to sexual orientation, uh, culture as it relates to a lot of different things. Maybe it's working moms. Maybe it's uh, the flexibility at work, whatever it is. You have to know that some of your best skilled people um, that want to work for your company are going to ask these questions. And so I thought this was a really interesting uh uh, really interesting piece that was written and you can find it on the Harvard, Harvard business review, uh, hbr.org. Um, you can certainly find this again. It's called is the company you're interviewing with actually inclusive, but here's what I wanted to focus on in this article. Um, I liked a lot of what it had to say. However, uh, it, it kind of went through, you know, this list of questions, uh, that you could ask or someone might ask your company, uh, to figure this out. And so what I wanted to do was highlight uh, the three questions that I resonated with uh, and then add a little bit uh, to it just so that you will know as you are looking for people to hire as well as if you are going to work for an organization, a company, uh, even a faith community, if you care about these things. Okay, so one of the questions that uh, they said you should ask is, are there frequent internal conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let me say that again. Are there frequent internal conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Really great question. But I want to encourage you to go a step further and ask. A better question might be, what types of conversations and what are those conversations centered around? Like what goal are those things centered around? The more that all of us uh, lean into cultural diversity work, the more clear uh, and the more specific we need to be about what it is we're actually asking for, what it is we're actually seeking, and what it is that we're actually talking about. You've probably heard me say this before, but when it comes to any kind of cultural work, it's a very large umbrella. You know, I think because, uh, you know, in our country here, people have tended to, you know, jump right into this work, which is great. But what happens is we have kept this idea of this cultural conversation or diversity conversations where it's, uh, uh, it's not quite as rich as it actually is in real time, you know, in real life. Uh, so we can just say, you know, as the HBR said, you know, uh, are we having frequent internal conversations? And my question is, I wanna know what types of conversations. Um, I had a thought the other day where, um, you know, a lot of times I'll work with people and they'll say, you know, one of their desires is, is that, you know, when they come to work, they want to be able to have uh, normal cultural conversations. But you always have to determine what does that mean? Because sometimes uh, what people will say is that they want to have uh, safe conversations. But oftentimes what people mean is what they really want to do is to be able to make safe statements, or they say, we want a brave work environment, but really what they want is a brave place for them to make statements and say whatever they want. And to say whatever they want without any kind of consequence and without any participation from anybody else. Whenever you have a conversation, it requires more than just you. 
or it requires more than just the president of your company. You know, it requires more than just your senior pastor in your church. That's not a conversation. You know, if only one person is talking, <laughs> that's not a conversation. Those are statements. And so you want to know what types of conversations are you having? Are you having conversations at work that are leading you as an organization, as a company, as a community closer to your multicultural goals? Are you having conversations at your company where you are actually broadening the umbrella of who can bring uh, what elements of their culture into the workplace? Are you having uh, expanded conversations uh, that help people along political lines be able to show up to work right where they are? Um, you know, are you are you requiring uh, people or having making statements about, you know, politics where it was some people can come, but other people can't? What is it? What what type of conversation is this company having? What kind of conversations are you having? And what are they centered around? All right. Very, very important. So that's a that's the first question. The second question uh, that I want to highlight from the HBR article is uh, this question they wanted you to ask if you're uh, applying for a job. Is there a standard way that performance gets measured? Okay, is there a standard way that performance gets measured? And here's what I would add. And who determines that standard? That's a very important addition to that initial question. Who determines that standard? Because that's great if you have a performance, a standard performance that gets measured, that's awesome. But if the, if the group of people or a person who decided what that standard is, uh, is not multicultural or not diverse, it's very possible that you could just be um, handing that over to another group of people that have a blind spot about what performance looks like and how it gets measured, right? So it's very important for you, first, if you're the person applying for the job, to ask who is determining that standard, just so you know. And then second, if you are the leader of that group or if you are the CEO um, or the senior leader, whatever, um, you need to look and say, who are we putting in, in place to determine that standard? You know, for some of you, if you're like, well, let's let HR do that. But if HR is full of one type of person, you're going to get one type of, of uh, standard with how performance gets measured, right? The whole point of culture work is to say, how do we include more people, more voices into some of these really important decisions? So remember, add who determines that standard. And here's the third question from the HBR article that I want to highlight. They say to ask this, are there mechanisms in place to collect and act on employee feedback? Let me say that again. Are there mechanisms in place to collect and act on employee feedback? And I would add, this is going to sound familiar. And who gets to decide what information is worthy to be acted on? And 
How is it connected to the goals of the organization? Let me say that again. Here's what I would add. Who gets to decide what information is worthy to be acted on and how is it connected to the goals of the organization? This particular question I feel very passionately about. Um, Over the years, in my work as a, as a coach, as a consultant, as a trusted advisor, as a facilitator, as a mentor. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I take on so many different roles just because I, I bring a hybrid of skills uh, to the table as somebody who works in this. So I'm working in a lot of different ways, but over the years, time and time again, senior leaders have always said, you know, would you come and facilitate a listening group? Uh, would you come and, you know, collect some data? Uh, would you come and make an assessment? You know, those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, what I have, what I've learned over the years, you know, a younger version of me in this work uh, would be happy to do this. You know, who doesn't want to be part of a listening group? You know, who doesn't want to be a part of uh, excavating uh really important stories for an organization or a company to hear for its leaders to hear like who doesn't want to be a part of that right and yet i am very hesitant these days to be a part of that and it it connects to this particular question most of the time (laughs) particularly if a if an organization has been uh mostly monocultural, usually mostly monocultural uh, white American or majority. Uh, Once you gather people for a listening group, most leaders don't do anything with that information. (laughs) I I wish that this wasn't true, by the way. But most leaders don't act on it. And so, um, you know, last week, If you haven't listened to the podcast last week, go back and listen to it because this is going to make more sense after I say this. But, you know, they want to have the listening group. We unearth all of this information. And if it's not a listening group, you know, honestly, it's an assessment. It's a survey. It's whatever. You unearth all all of this information on a topic that is intensely personal, for, for minority culture people, right? And you have to know that as a leader or a group of leaders, when you're asking a group of minority folks to be a part of a listening group, for you, this may be the very first time you've ever done this, but you have to have, to have awareness going forward that that group of minority individuals in your company, this is probably the 15th or 25th time that they have been part of some kind of listening group, some kind of survey, some kind of assessment, and had the people that were asking for the information not do anything either, and either not do anything or not believe them. And I'm not actually sure which one is worse. (laughs) You know, as I said last week, Culture work is not like implementing a new data system. We are talking about people's lives and things that they feel intensely personal about. And so 
You have to know as a leader, any leader, when you're asking the people that work for you to open up again, to share some intensely personal information, they're already scared to share it. They already have, you know, a sense of cynicism about change that's going to happen. But you promise them that you're going to use it and then you don't act on it. You, in essence, cause a lot more pain than if you just would have ignored them in the first place. And leaders don't always get this. There's another podcast that I did last year about impact. Go look for that one. You know, and most leaders, you know, when they don't act on things or they don't believe people, there's no mechanism in place. It's usually because they are not impacted by the topic that they want all the feedback on. They're not impacted by it, right? It's not going to, um, a lot of times, you know, it's not going to mess with the bottom line. It doesn't, you know, um, it doesn't mess with their quarterly statements or their money or anything like that, at least that they can perceive. And so the, Im- the, the um, perceived amount of impact is low. And so that's why as a leader, you don't, you don't act on it. But you have to know that it still has impact on the people that work for you. So it's really important for you, whether you're the leader or you're the person that's looking for employment, to add to that question, who gets to decide what information is worthy to be acted on and how is it connected to the goals of the organization? This work always has to be connected to something much deeper than just topical discussion. And so I would encourage you, go ahead and find the article on HBR. You can read it, but please go back, listen to this uh, a few times. You know, I would encourage you today, if you enjoyed the podcast today, don't just listen to it and be like, oh, that was really great. You know, share it with somebody, share it with somebody in your office or share it with your leaders or um, share it with a friend. Listen to it two or three times and really try to embody this, try to get it in you. Again, whether you're the leader or you're the person looking for some place uh, for a company to join, you have to ask these questions. They will lead to the health of the future vision of your multicultural organization. But you must move through these questions with this type of intention. Thanks for listening today. I'll see you soon. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.